Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. So next week already, it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I, I, I'm honestly, I don't know where this year went, but uh, Thanksgiving, uh, it's actually yeah. one of my favorite days. Absolutely. I mean, I can eat my, I can eat my body weight and like stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, that really is what this is all about, right? It's just about the food. It, I think, you know, <laughs> when you get right down to it, for me, you know, I, I, and, and I, I still fix my plate like I'm 17. <laughs> and it, it, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't, but I, well, I, every year, I'm going to give it my very best effort. So my favorite uh, Thanksgiving thing uh, is, I mean, other than like falling asleep watching football, mm. uh, but food-wise... I would say uh, my favorite Thanksgiving thing is I started probably when I was like 10, I started making Thanksgiving sandwiches. So it's like you take the, you know, the roll and Mm -hmm. split it open, put some butter on there and some mashed potatoes, you throw the gravy on and then some turkey because it's Thanksgiving and then some corn and then a little bit of stuffing. And then you just like eat this little sandwich and it's the best thing. Like you've talked about that before and it really, it's not that good. It's amazing. (laughs) You're doing it wrong. You know, Thanksgiving is about more than just food, but a lot of our traditions this time of year do revolve around food. It's iconic, the turkey, the stuffing, mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah, all of that. And I think about my, this this kid that we grew up, we grew up with in our, in our neighborhood, in our town, really good friends, graduated with my, my younger brother and my younger brother joined his family one time for Thanksgiving dinner. He's really excited about it. So he goes over to Tommy's house uh, Tommy was his name. And they sit down and they bring out pasta and meatballs and Italian <laughs> sausage and marinara and That's garlic bread. Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving, <laughs> but it's an Italian family. So he's thinking, you know, he's like going to wrap it in a cloak of culture and get away with it, right? So he's like, this is fantastic. And he's just loading up on, think, you know, on Thanksgiving dinner Italian style. And he thinks this is fantastic. Then... They clear the plates out, and then the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the oh stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No. Second Thanksgiving meal, back to back. <laughs> That's like Thanksgiving heaven, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's he's looking at that. He thought he was going to die when he saw that. Oh, new, my gosh. All the food coming out again. He didn't pace himself, and uh, he got everything he deserved. <laughs> so much food as we enter into this season of overindulgence and abundance. And yet, get this, current estimates are that more than 800 million people, 11% of the people in the world are hungry. 800 million, and that's a daunting number, and it can seem overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. But there are good people and organizations who are working to change this every day. And we talked to a person doing just that this past summer. Uh, we caught up with Mika McCracken, who works at the ELCA World Hunger Program. This is one of the finest organizations working to end global hunger, from health clinics to microloans, water wells, animal husbandry, com- community meals to advocacy. The ELCA World Hunger prides itself on developing sustainable solutions that get at the, kind of the root causes of hunger and poverty. And it's making a huge difference. Yeah, we talked with Mika while we were at the ELCA Youth Gathering in Houston last summer. We met in the convention center. So as we're talking, you can hear some of the, what, 30,000 or so (laughs) youth milling about. And so with that, here is Sandbox Cooperative Podcast, Episode 76, Sharing the Meal. Hi, my name is Mika McCracken, 
and uh, I currently serve with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America in the ELCA World Hunger Program. Thrilled uh, to be here with you at the Sandbox today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about the organization and kind of some of the overarching view of the work. Mm -hmm. So Lutherans have really long been committed to serving uh, and working with our neighbors, especially neighbors experiencing hunger and poverty. So we trace our history back over 40 years, and during that time, Lutherans and others of goodwill have given and put to work over half a billion dollars to support this ministry. Wow. And ELC or World Hunger is really the way that the Lutheran Church has chosen to walk alongside people in that struggle and in that success. Um, and so we have a comprehensive approach, everything from the things that we know well, like food pantries, backpack programs for kids, those kinds of things, to sustainable farming, um, which is a focus for us at the ELCA Youth Gathering this year. Uh, but then we also do things like advocacy for systemic change, um, community organizing for people's power in their own place, and then we network together to do that more effectively as a church. So what should we know about world hunger? I mean, what are, are, are there some preconceived notions and understandings about what your work is? Uh, what are things like that? Hunger, I think often, especially when talking to people of faith, uh, it automatically almost goes to this quote of, the poor will always be with you. Mm. And that's really not the reality of what we know the situation of hunger is like in the world today. So from the 1970s, which is about the time when the global community was tracking chronic hunger, about one in four of our neighbors was hungry then. Today, it's down to one in 10, wow. which means that progress is actually being made, but a lot of people don't know that. They don't yeah. know that good news. And all of that being said, though, for example, last year, the first famine was declared in over a decade. This isn't a problem that will just continue to get better. It is something that we have to put in the work and the time and the funds and the service. Um, but hunger is totally a, a solvable problem in the world today. So what are some of the uh, specifics of that? Like how how are we solving this? What, is, what does it look like to make the change and, and what tools and resources do you use? So from an ELC World Hunger perspective, we work and serve with churches around the world in over 60 countries. And that really starts by listening to communities first about what they need, what they think is the best solution, and then helping to make that dream come true, basically. And that's one of the best practices, which is making sure that the solution is something that works for local people instead of prescribing, right? So that's one great mm -hmm. solution. Secondly, a domestic example, ELC World Hunger is really thrilled to be partnering with a group called the Means Database this year. Um, actually, at the ELCA Youth Gathering this year, the Saturday evening speaker, Maria Rose Belding, is one of the co-founders of that organization. It's the largest free food rescue resource in the country, started by a 16-year-old in the basement food pantry of a Lutheran congregation. Wow. And now, major partner organization has moved over 1.6 million pounds of food um, wow. Food waste is one of the largest problems that we have in this country and helping our congregations get access and move that food to where it needs to go to mm -hmm. serve people in need is also one of the other things that we're really interested in working on this yeah. year. Cool. So something I, I, I've often said, and I think it kind of relates to what you were just saying, and, and maybe you could, maybe I'm saying it wrong and I, and I should never say this thing again. So correct no, me on this, okay? <laughs> that we have more than enough food. We don't have a problem with production. Our problem is in distribution. That is exactly right. So uh, what we like to say is that in the world today, we certainly produce enough food to feed every person on the planet. By some estimates, that's even one and a half times enough food to feed every person wow. on the planet. And so what that says to us is that the caloric intake, the nutritional value is out there, but that it doesn't get to people, that's an access issue. That's an inequality issue. Two sides to that coin, 
super heartbreaking, but also very encouraging because that means there's something we can do about it. Yeah. So I imagine there's all sorts of things that get in the way of that food being being given to the right people and, and somehow transfer it over. What are some of the major issues, maybe more systemically, that uh, World Hunger is trying to uh, trying to fix, trying to trying to do differently to get around some of those challenges. Yeah, so I would go back to those two examples that I shared a minute ago. Um, local and regional procurement is one of the best ways to make sure that, especially things like food aid, actually go to use and where they're needed most. Because people won't necessarily utilize resources if it's not something that they're familiar with or that fits yeah. for the diet or the place. Um, and food waste in this country. Um, 30, it's estimated the United States Department of Agriculture estimates that 30 to 40% of the food production in this country is wasted every year. Wow. And that also means that um, food expiring in landfills is one of the major top three methane gas producers in this country as well. So when we cut down on food waste through partnerships, um, like for example, the one I gave with Means, we really can be part of making a difference. Yeah. So it sounds like there's there's both some uh, potential issues to solve that would have an impact on this, but there's also by by solving and working on the issue of hunger, we're actually alleviating some of the other issues that we exactly. face. Exactly, it's very interconnected. I got to imagine that there's there's a policy angle to this that you all are working on, and what are some of the obstacles? Because the political scene right now is is pretty dicey, uh, just in general. And how are you navigating some of those challenges? Yeah, Dave, I think that's a great question. Um, I mean, for the Lutheran Church, we get the opportunity to stand on the social statements, and this church has some really great policy on caring for those most in need, caring for the most vulnerable. Um, sufficient sustainable livelihood is my favorite ELCA social statement. Um, but I would say that this year, ELCA World Hunger is focusing especially on the Farm Bill. So you may have heard that one of those yep. versions has passed in Congress. Um, farm Bill does a lot of the things that sounds like, right? It supports family farms, um, but it also supports programs like the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is for families in need. Average family on SNAP benefits, it spends three months on that program only. It's basically a stopgap to help people get through. Mm -hmm. And ELC World Hunger thinks that we know that 96% of our congregations in the ELCA serve their neighbors in some kind of hunger-related ministry. So for us, our best advocacy is matched with our best service. It comes from the fact that we know our neighbors, we see them in our pantries, we eat at the table with them, both the communion table and the, the meal table. And then we are able to tell our elected officials those stories that they don't necessarily have a chance to hear in other places. So for us, yeah. policy is, is good conversation and good policy of the church made real by local congregations who have that expertise and can bring those stories to their elected officials. And does and, and I'm curious because I mean we've seen the numbers declining in congregations across the country uh, of, of all stripes of different kinds of congregations. Yeah. And if and if they're your main people on the ground. Are you finding a struggle with that with regard to both uh, activity and with regard to funding? You know, that's a great question. Maybe to take the funding first, sure. ELC or World Hunger um, actually is in a, a period of, of growth and we're very thankful for that. I mean, we believe oh, in a sweet. God of abundance and we find a lot of people who are motivated to support that as well. Um, in terms of congregational capacity, I mean, that is a real challenge. I think 
as congregations see their staff shrink or their budget shrink, um, sometimes the the first instinct might be to turn inward and and fill the expenses in the congregation first. Um, before I became a director with ELCR World Hunger, though, I worked with the network, and I think it's really about the people in congregations who say no, like. Jesus wasn't just chilling in the temple, waiting around <laughs> until something was happening, right? He was out there caring for the poor, um, walking, uh, walking with people, the woman, meeting the woman at the well, etc. And so as much as our congregations can stay focused on being in their neighborhoods with their neighbors, yeah. um, or if that's a rural setting as well, I think that's, that's really where we're, where we're at. Does World Hugger do any sort of... Uh educational uh, events or any sort of things like that that maybe, whether it's congregation or others, that helps helps people kind of figure out, okay, this is how I might engage with this and this is what this might look like? Yes, so because the LCA World Hunger is so broad, it'd be hard to pick an issue that we probably don't have a resource on, if I can sure. say it that way. Uh, ELCA.org slash resources is a place where people can check out ELCA World Hunger um, uh, information. And we have everything from free vacation Bible school resources for congregations to guides on how to start a community backpack program or do a youth food drive or um, Bible studies for different times of the church season for our, for our faith-based partners. Um, we also have a granting program that's available for domestic congregations, which is called the ELC World Hunger Domestic Hunger Grants Program. Um, and that can be found online, elca.org slash domestic hunger grants. And in that way, we also are looking to work with congregations as they serve their neighbors, um, but more than just money and more than just food. Okay. So sure, it's a granting relationship, but we're excited to work on education and networking and capacity building um, going forward as well. I'm always interested in finding out why people do what they do. And what about, you know, your story has led you to this work? Yeah, so, um, I mean, for the listening audience, right, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm Korean, so I'm a South Korean adoptee, and I came to the United States when I was six months old, so a lot of times when I do a handshake, you know, people are like, oh, your English is so good, or something, I'm like, yeah, I was, a, I was I've grown up here, um, and if you get me on the phone with somebody from northern Minnesota where I grew up, it's even worse, um, uh, love you all, and um, though... My story and what brings me to this work starts with a trip that I had an opportunity to take with my family when I was 12 to meet my birth father. So, um, you know, you have one hour, and I was born in a rural town in South Korea in the 1980s, one hour to talk to this person and say, like, all the things that you've done in your life, all the things that you hope to do, and figure out a little about your health history <laughs> in the middle of it, <laughs> all through an interpreter. Yeah. Wow. And so I learned that I'm the youngest of five daughters to that family um, and that my birth father was a rice farmer. And as a rice farmer in the 1980s, it was not a great time in the economy. Uh, and so he was unable to kind of make ends meet for the family because the price on his crop was getting undercut by the influx, like the government was bringing in rice at a cheaper price. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't able to make his his bills um, and made the choice to to um, put me up for adoption and like what I always say about that is that I grew up in nor northern Minnesota I had a great family I've had a great education um, and I've never wanted for anything a day in my life but just because I've never personally experienced hunger doesn't mean that every single day of my life hasn't been affected by the presence of hunger in our world yeah 
Um, and so for me, I feel crazy sometimes because I'm so desperate for this problem to be ended because families and countries shouldn't have to make those kinds of decisions. Um, and I'm, I'm blessed to do that with my church as well. What are some of the biggest challenges uh, that maybe that you face personally in, in this work or uh, just generally for the organization and uh, kind of the larger issue at hand? You know, I think I'll name two. One is that um, more and more these days, because we can get such excellent information or we expect everything to be kind of instant, um, like, I'll, I'll just say it right now, ELCA World Hunger will not track your goat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, like, we would love to uh, have so much detailed information like that available, but we can give you some examples, but there's no tracker on every goat because the overhead on that is crazy and it's not the way that we work. Um, and I think, like, for me, it comes down to a little bit of trust and a little bit of hope. Like, that, that just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. And just because we haven't seen the success of that doesn't mean it's not possible. Like, yeah. for me as a person of faith, every day we believe in something that other people think is nuts, which is that God became Jesus, a person, died, like a heart stop, and then came back to life. You try to tell that story on any other day of the week except Sunday, people be like, that girl's crazy. <laughs> but that's sort of the uniqueness about what we do as people of faith, that we say... We believe in something that we can't see. We believe in a God who, who, we believe in the resurrection and we believe then also in things like an end to hunger, that that has to be possible. And I think that there aren't enough voices that say that today. Yeah. Um, and then of course in ELCA World Hunger, we hope that you feel confident that your church is also doing something about that as well. Yeah, I really resonate with what you said about like the Kind of having to having to trust and have a little bit of hope that like it's 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 right it's going to be changing it's going to be moving but I think the reality is that a lot of us feel pretty powerless about a lot of these kinds of issues. Um, but what would you say is like a very tangible, very effective way for someone to get involved today? What can somebody do right now to be part of this work? I mean, right now to be part of this work, you can. <laughs> You can find a local food pantry and you can volunteer. You can start to get to know those neighbors. You can start to see those stories in action. You can give to a cause that you believe in. You can start educating yourself by reading a book or um, picking up an ELC World Hunger resource and learning um, about hunger today. You can also advocate. You can tell people that you don't think your neighbors should be hungry and that, that um, you want your elected officials to do something about that. Yeah. I would say... There's no specific set of skills that you need to be part of the anti-hunger movement. It's really only to find what what your gift is and how you want to bring that to bear um, on the issue. So for a whole variety of gifts that you anybody would have, you can leverage that uh, towards ending hunger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in insofar as ELCA World Hunger Network is concerned, we have hunger leaders that are high school students that lead their whole congregations and synods in the charge. And we also have hunger leaders that are kind of maybe in the, in the uh, last chapter, last third chapter of life that are retiring out of high powered careers saying, I want to give back. I have time. I want to get involved and everybody in between. Um, and we have artists, we have podcast hosts we have like preachers we have teachers and we have professionals in a lot of these fields um and for me 
I never want to turn off somebody's passion for an issue because you never know what they might what they might contribute to the cause. Yeah. 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 Cool. So what else uh, what else should we know as far as your work? I mean, whatever we not gotten to we, you know obviously we're just kind of skimming the surface but what would you want people to know about it well um kicked off this year at the elca youth gathering in houston elca world hunger is inviting congregations and other interested people to really think about global farming um, and it's called elca world hunger's global farm challenge um, and it's really a really it's a simple and troubling concept so 80% of the world's food is produced by smallholder farmers in a lot of the world that's as small as like a fourth of an acre for us here in the United States sometimes we think that's really small that sounds like your community yeah. garden or your b backyard yep. garden in a lot of other places in the world that would be considered a smallholder farm 80% of the world's food is produced on farms like that but 50% of the people who are hungry in the world are farming themselves. Hmm. So we're inviting this church, young people, to think about why is it that the people who grow our food are also the first to experience hunger, and what can we do about that? So we're talking about animal and livestock programs. We're talking about advocacy in the farm bill. We're talking about um, water programs and farming tools and implements. And like I said, we're not going to track every goat, but I can guarantee you I have seen how, like, um, how these gifts really make a difference in the lives of families around the world. So we'd love for people to join us in that cause. We're kicking it off here. We also have a $515,000 match. So every dollar that's given to the challenge in the year will be matched um, awesome. up to that amount. And we are just excited for the possibility of making an impact on hunger together this year. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you yeah. guys. Yeah. This was great. At one point while we were talking, Mika very casually said, and I quote, we believe in a God of abundance. And then she went on to make her a broader point. And if you weren't listening carefully, you probably missed it. She said it very matter-of-factly, but also very directly. We believe in a God of abundance. And I might add to that statement, and not scarcity. It feels like we are constantly dealing with a scarcity mentality. There's not enough food or, or water or money or resources to go around. It's reflected in our politics and our workplaces, our dinner tables. And Mika says, no, we believe abundance lies at the heart of everything. And perhaps if we lean into this idea, this reality, we'll begin to share, to care for our neighbor, and everyone might have enough. But more than that, adopting an abundance mentality is active participation in resurrection and new life. Every time you meet your neighbors or volunteer at a food pantry or a community garden or a church hunger project or advocate just policies with your elected officials, every time you help feed people who are hungry, you are participating in resurrection and new life. Yet that's what this is all about. So next week, make sure to enjoy Thanksgiving holiday. Gather with some friends and family. Give thanks for whatever blessings you are celebrating this year. Have a great meal with your people if you are able. But then share that abundance with others. Not just at Thanksgiving or Christmas, but also in February, April, September. Make it a practice to share what you have. 
make abundance and sharing a thing for every day, a way of understanding the fundamental energy of the universe. Make abundance and sharing a way of life. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. And a special thanks to Mika McCracken for spending some time with us this summer. Make sure to check out more about ELCA World Hunger and all of their incredible projects at elca.org slash hunger. And to stay up to date with all the things that we've got going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes. Join us in the conversation. As always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the sandbox. Till next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.